record for hours do with these batteries. Let's do it. It's very powerful. <laughs> They're fresh. They've been charged to their full extent, their full capacity. I like that. Charged up. Well, uh, should we begin? Let us begin <laughs> with our third honorary guest host. Yes. Thank you for joining us here, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's like the mad scientist over there. All you see is like the top of his head. Makes it all over happen. The chair. Remember that Inspector Gadget with the arm? Yeah. That's kind of oh, yeah. like that's kind of like how I think of oh, Daniel. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how I think of Daniel. <laughs> Classic show. All right. Well, what week is this? Four. And we've already this visited the Vizio Divina. I think this is six. Yeah. This is week six. I think this is six. Yeah. Why am I thinking four? Because it's probably five. Because each week you get the numbers wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably five. This is the week that you get the number wrong. <laughs> As is every week. Okay, so uh, last week we previewed Visio Divina and um, the act of essentially just seeing God with your eyes, like kind of just looking at things around you and um, – kind of being mindful of, of God's creative creativity and his love uh, expressed in his creation. So, uh, Claude, what'd you do? Yeah, so I had a couple of things um, that I was able, by God's help, to have sort of built into my week that made it uh, made an easy connection for this, uh, for this particular spiritual discipline. And again, as Seth mentioned, just sort of um, reflecting on creation, um, things that we see and, and linking those towards God. Uh, so for me, I have uh, was reading John 1, um, which talks a lot about um, the fact that um, in Jesus was the, uh, uh, the light of men, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's entered into the world and the Did darkness. Did you look at the sun? The darkness has not, <laughs> oh, no, I looked at the moon, uh, and the darkness has not overcome this light. And so, yeah. um, and, and then later in John, obviously, Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. Uh, it's so, you know, light is a really huge image also in First John. Um, you know, God's holiness, God's revelation, God's purity, God's goodness, God's salvation. And yeah. so, uh, so actually, you know, I was driving um, late last night, and it was a full moon. And it was just out, and it was shining, and it yeah. was in the darkness. And so uh, it just prompted me to kind of think through that verse. Uh, and so that was just for, you know, a few sets of minutes. And then later when I read First John, or when I read John 1 again, later when <laughs> I read John 1 again, uh, I just thought back to um, driving and seeing the moon just, like, shining in the in, in the darkness. Yeah. And just, like, just being up there, being huge, being massive. There um, you go. And so that, so that was one way that just sort of, for me, was this kind of connection to reflecting these thoughts about God and how he's revealed himself. Visio Divina enthusiasts would be so proud of you right now. I, maybe, I hope so, maybe. <laughs> and then seeing that in creation. And then the other um, the other thing was, uh, you know, for some study I've been uh, looking at the four Gospels and um, church history looks at the four Gospels uh, with images. And so each Gospel has like an image of Jesus corresponding to it. And Interesting. so uh, Matthew is kind of the human face of Jesus. And these images are based on Ezekiel 110, these kind of four creatures of glory that are around the, th- the throne. And so Matthew's gospel is connected to the face of Jesus. Um, Mark's gospel is connected to the lion, kind of like the Jesus is this unbound lion who just comes and, and dominates cool. over sin, Satan, and darkness and yeah. brings the kingdom. 
uh, Luke's image is, is like this, this ox that bears the burdens uh, uh, of his people huh. and, and alleviates them. And, and um, you know, the ox in ancient times is like the biggest technological wonder. And so Jesus is bringing this great power that relieves our burdens and our sin. Interesting. Um, and then John is sort of this eagle uh, of uh, divinity and glory. Um, and so thinking through the Gospels in that verse kind of also, again, was another opportunity to kind of think of God in terms of these kind of parallel images that uh, that Scripture uses. So so that's sort of what it looked like for me. I'll be honest, like this was a this was like a harder one for me to kind of get my head around. <laughs> yeah. It just felt like it just felt out of my comfort zone, out of my wheelhouse. Right. Maybe for good reason, maybe for not. Um, but that's sort of how it worked out for me. What about for you, Seth? Yeah. Um, I'm going to chalk this week up and you can have the victory this week. Man, you got to stop doing that. You're making me look way too good. You're look, making me look way too good. Oh, man. Well, one, I sort of am still, uh, hard, like, I'm, st- I'm still going back to, like, that moment. It really was a cool moment when, you know, I was on that hunting trip and, um, I wish we would have filmed this or sh- shot this podcast, uh, recorded this recorded. podcast. Yeah, there you go. Uh, like a couple of weeks before, because that would have been perfect. I mean, yeah. walking into this pine forest in the rain where, you know, it was just like dead quiet and kind of mystical. And it was cool. I mean, in that moment, I did think of the yeah. creativity of the Lord. Yeah. Um, this week, man, we, we uh, it's just tough. I mean, I'm with you. I think this one was a struggle for me. I think if I lived in places where I could just like was surrounded by natural beauty, all the time. What are you trying to say about Memphis? Look, uh, look <laughs> this is no knock on Memphis. Right? Memphis has its strengths. One of those strengths, I wouldn't say, is like you're not you're not seeing some mountains. You're not seeing some yeah. beautiful waters. I mean, you're we not, do have Shelby yeah. Forest, which is yeah. You know, uh, there are beautiful parts of Shelby Forest. I'm not denying that. But also, the whole week was like drenched in rain and cold. Yeah. Yep. So he couldn't even go there. It's a, I don't know. I w- the cards were the deck was set against me this week. But yeah. I will say. Um, couple of things that I did instead was um, noticing the beauty of God's creation just in humanity. So mainly like my family, mm-hmm. my kids, like just noticing his, uh, I don't know, his genius, uh, his uh, handiwork, you know, uh, or Ephesians 2, you know, essentially he calls us, we are his workmanship, you know. Yeah. Um, so what better place to look for the God's love and creation than people? And um it's just sort of noticing that. And man, I was just thinking as Christians, we should be able to enjoy things more than everybody else. Right. Like we should have this ability to kind of, uh, if the world enjoys something, we can say, yeah, that's great. We actually enjoy it a lot more, you know, because we know who made it. Right. Um, and so we can attach things to actually their ultimate significance. Um, so I think, you know, the way we, we understand people, um, and kind of watch what they do and, and watch their expressions of love and, um, you know, even their laughter and their creativity, like those are things I'm seeing with my eyes and I am directing that to worship God. Um, but I think if, if someone was able to live in a place like, you know, Memphis or I come from Dallas, I would even say Dallas, like, and really find God's creative handiwork in nature, like awesome, like more power to you. I think it's okay to get creative with this stuff too. For sure. Um, and it's not like, you know, you have to notice it in streams and rivers and, you know, mountains. It's like, you know, God created everything. Yeah. And um, so what are those things that you're surrounded with now that you don't have to go out of your way to kind of look at and see? Like, do you see God's intricacies, you know, and his attention to detail and those things that you see kind of in your immediate surroundings? That's good. So that was good. Um, 
I admit, you know, it, it didn't. Will I return to Visio Divina? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's a good practice to just say, where do I see God? Yes. You know, like that's a good question just to routinely ask yourself. But I, do I think I will um, cognitively make an effort to practice Visio Divina? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that, it's funny. It's funny too because I think with this practice, you know, I think the way we have sort of approached this is really attention to God. Yeah, sort that's of everyday what it life is. And, and really seeing where is God's goodness and creativity and his grace and his power showing up in our lives, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I think that's sort of what this is getting at. So that's something we kind of do already, but it's giving us a little bit more attention to. So I think you're right. I don't think I'll do this in these sort of explicit terms or in the kind of way of iconography yeah. that, you know. We, yeah, the iconography. It just yeah. seems a little bit, a, a little bit um, different or off, but I think, you know, the sort of, meditating on scripture and sort of the images that it evokes and then the attention uh, attentiveness rather to God in in just his world yeah. is, is really huge I think you and I could also both say we have done this in the past we didn't know it was called yeah. Visio Divina yeah you know what I'm saying like we we've we've made efforts to kind of get into nature like beautiful surroundings and really turn our attention to to the Lord I think that's something all of us have done like we all since this draw to to kind of get to those places where we're surrounded by you know beauty and creation you know we love those settings and i think i think every every christian to some extent if they've been a christian for a while has has sort of done this without knowing it's called visio divina yeah. you know has seen god's handiwork in creation and worshiped him through it yeah um without saying i'm doing visio divina right now right. you know that's a good point yeah so uh yeah i think it's something that's just kind of natural a lot of times but the i the the Iconography, iconography, that's it, that right? Yeah, 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 man. How about that? Killing it. We're two English majors. English majors, by the way. There we go. Yeah, so we should be go humanities pronouncing things. <laughs> <laughs> you you might think. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I think it was I think it was beneficial, but uh, I think it's also something we'll just do naturally, you know, moving forward without just being like, we need to go practice some visio divina. Uh, but for some people, maybe this is like the thing that draws you to God, and that's totally fine. You know, um, that's totally a way to to engage with with the Lord. Um, anything else you want to say about that? The VD? No, I think that's a good wrap. Yeah. Yeah. What do we, what do we got coming next? Something a little bit more, uh, this one's a little bit harder to understand. Yeah. This one's really complicated. (laughs) It's called worship. (laughs) Uh, have you worshiped before? Not yet. Okay. So this is like kind of our first entrance into this. So, uh, I think, um, the author, you know, Calhoun really does a good job of, uh, explaining worship like what a lot of times i think especially in our culture we'll we'll equate worship with a sunday service um and we'll say you know if you're going to sunday worship or you're going to worship with your church whatever and yes um but we all know that paul says whatever you do do things all into the lord like everything's an act of worship if done from um you know the right uh internal perspective so i mean she says true worship does not equal going to church on sunday um, true worship of God happens when we put God first in our lives, uh, when what God says matters matters more than what others say, and when loving God matters more than being loved. Um, so I think, you know, the next being worship, uh, especially with us, you know, working in a church context, I think it's going to be helpful to uh, direct our attention to it, like what do we worship, you know, yeah. rather than like how does worship on Sunday mornings for the hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever, affect me? But say, like, kind of take an internal um, 
inventory and say like, you know, what, what are my, what's my heart directed to? Um, that's really good. And what am I, what am I really valuing? What am I really seeing as, uh, kind of adding value to my life? Am I directing my heart towards and, and, and appreciating and all that stuff? So, um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think that's a great insight. Um, I know. They, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. Um, uh, yeah, say that. I, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think worship, we, we do need to think about it more comprehensively. Um, corporate worship on Sunday with, you know, God's people gathered is wonderful. It's huge. It's a privilege. It's a great, it's a gift. It is a spiritual discipline. Um, it is spiritually formative, but worship, uh, entails more than that. So, you know, it is, uh, excuse me, it is helpful for us to think about how, how are we valuing things, you know, in terms of our time spent, in terms of, mm, you know, yeah. our, our mental imagination and energy, uh, in terms of our money, uh, in terms of our joy, what other things are we worshiping and are we worshiping them or are we doing so from a posture that is enjoying God through those things, or yeah. are they becoming replacements for God? So I think this is going to be, you know, we joked about like, yeah, we're all, you know, it's worship. Yeah, we know that. But, uh, you know, I think we joke about that because it's like, this is a topic we know, um, but it's one that is so massive and so comprehensive yeah. that it, it really is uh, well worth our time because we're always, we're always worshiping. Um, and so it's yeah. really important for us to have attentiveness to what are we worshiping? How is this worship forming us? either in the image of uh, renewing us in the image of God or, you know, forming us in the image of created things, which is not what we want. Yeah. So I think this is really critical. Yeah. What's, yeah. I think you, you're nailing it. Like we joke about, you know, worship, wonder what that is, you know, like thinking we know what it, but it's actually a lot deeper than what we just yeah. initially think of when we think of worship. I mean, it really is kind of like a, it's almost like a soul exposer, <laughs> you know, like yes. as you understand what you're attributing value to and as you understand how you're spending your time and how you're uh, directing your, you know, your affection towards yeah. different things, you start to understand like almost, man, where are those places that I'm really exposing myself to idolatry, you yes. know, uh, because I am worshiping this thing rather than the creator. We're worshiping yeah. the created things rather than the creator, right? These, these are not new thoughts, but um it's going to allow us to kind of step into and take some sort of inventory and yes. say, uh, and the one, the exercise that we're going to recommend, I think is also going to be helpful as you sort of think through worship through a perspective other than yourself. Um, so as those that are like near to you or loved ones, uh, I'll just sort of read it and, um, you can kind of elaborate on it, but it's, she, she suggests to come before God with an open and listening ear. So you write out the question, what do I value most at the top of a sheet of paper? Um, and then you answer the question. And uh, so, but you go beyond that and you answer this question from the viewpoint of, uh, she says, your kids, your spouse, colleagues, family members, church, friends, and God. Um, so really those that you're surrounded with that you care a lot about, uh, when you write that question, what do I value most? How do you think those people that you're surrounded with would actually answer that question? Um, and what do you see about yourself through their eyes? Uh, how might what you worship need to change? Um, so what are you planning on? I'm doing with that. Yeah, I think with that prompt, I think um, just that personal reflection, like what do I value most? And like actually prayerfully writing that out will sort of force kind of scared to, to answer that question. I am scared to answer that. <laughs> It'll force me to come to grips with some things that I know, but I probably haven't um, spent attention with. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's like, yeah, there, there are times where I, I worship um, comfort and distraction, Yeah. you know, and I can. And so, you yes. know, I think 
peripherally thinking through that and writing those things out will be really helpful. Yeah, um, and it helps because most people would not think of it as I am worshiping comfort and distraction. Right. You know, they would just think I enjoy comfort and I like distracting myself. Yeah. You know, rather than saying, no, you're actually directing your heart towards these things. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's helpful. Yeah. Because when I feel the opposite of comfort, do I go pray? Do I talk about that with somebody so they can kind of counsel me a little bit, point me back to God? Or am I, do I strictly and exclusively, and I think those are important words, do I strictly and exclusively habitually like turn to XYZ? Right. And, uh, and turning to XYZ is not bad all the time, um, but is that a pattern of life for me that actually reveals sort of a heart worship yeah, level that's gonna thing? Be good. So, um, so yeah, I think that's how I'm going to do that. I think another thing um, that could be a, uh, an exercise to do this week would be, especially if you want to kind of connect your corporate worship in a more intentional way, could be really trying to figure out what's a way to prepare your heart for worshiping when you go to uh gather with your church on Sunday morning or Sunday night uh, to, to really uh, That's good. do that intentionally. So it could be setting aside time Saturday night to really pray and say, God, prepare my heart uh, as I get to come together with your people. That could be a, a discipline for this. Um, another thing that came to mind would be thinking through what Jesus described as a great commandment, which is in a uh, it's a quote from Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, uh, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one, and then you should love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. That's worship, right? So that means every part of our lives, uh, we're using all of our oomph, all of our strength to worship God in everything that we do. Yeah. So, you know, reflecting on that passage, memorizing it, journaling about it, could be some other ways to sort of practically engage with this topic. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Yeah, I think a lot of times we just approach church because it's what we do. You know? Yeah. We don't, we don't come just trying to, to get there on time. Right. We don't approach it with an expectation. Correct. You know, we don't come expectant for the Lord to to move and for our hearts to be changed, you know, yeah. um, renewed. Yes. So I think that would be, that's actually a great like, kind of like second really practice that yeah. we should do. Yeah. Um, and especially you know, for like you and me that kind of work in church world. Yes. You know, it can become job. Yes. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's definitely a pitfall of a lot of ministers and a lot of, a lot of pastors. It's yeah. Just, it's just a Sunday responsibility. Exactly. Something to get through. Yeah. Um, so that that's going to be helpful for me, too, as well. Um, all right. So this week, well, we're going through worship. Worship is not just Sunday morning, but worship is where are you directing your affections and your heart towards? Let's find that out. Um and then uh, I'm kind of nervous about this one, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's going to peel back some layers. It's going to be yeah, good. Yeah. But I think most people, if you ask them, what do you really want? They don't know the answer. Yeah. You know, they don't know the answer because they don't take the time to actually think about that. Yeah. Um, like you're saying, it's just easier to distract ourselves. It is. Than to actually go in and see what's in there because yep. we're scared of what's in there. Yeah. You know? Don't want to look in the closet. Right. So, well, we're going to look in the closet this we're week. We're going to look in the closet this week. Let's <laughs> do right, it, Let's man. open the door. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week uh, where we'll go through this. And then we're actually all the way into part two. Um, and we'll get into some contemplation Let's next week. Let's do it. Uh, but anyway, guys, thanks for joining us uh, on Formation. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Hey everybody, Pastor John Bryson here and just want to tell you about another podcast in our family of podcasts. The Grind is a podcast that celebrates uh, doers and makers and the men and women of our great city of Memphis who get up every day to build and make and create something that's uh, significant and special uh, and helps our city. And so 
each episode of The Grind, we are celebrating sometimes an entrepreneur, sometimes a musician, sometimes uh, someone who started a nonprofit or a for-profit, but it's the starters and the creators, and we love getting into their mind, heart, soul, hearing stories of persistence and just willing something into existence. And so hopefully The Grind will inspire us to create and us to persevere, and we'll learn great stories about great people and great organizations that are making our city so special. You can search for The Grind wherever you get your podcast.